The following is an encore episode of Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. This is Retirement Talk with Mike Graber from Compass Retirement Advisors. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Mike Graber provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. I have a very special uh, guest with us today. His name is Brett Anderson. Uh, he's the author of Last Chance Retirement and the proprietor of the Indexed Universal Life Insurance, or kind of in the business we call it IUL uh, as an abbreviation, but the website is IULdigest.com. You know, over many years, life insurance uh, has been a staple of uh, estate planning, uh, security planning, and, and definitely uh, part of retirement planning as well. And in recent years, books by uh, people like David McKnight, who's the author of uh, Look Before You Lerp, uh, and many others, uh, make it very clear that properly designed uh, permanent life insurance plans do have a special place within a retirement uh, income plan. Uh, life insurance, again, if uh, designed properly, offers many advantages that other financial products simply are not uh, designed to uh, provide. Uh, but I want to make it clear today that there are literally hundreds of life insurance product designs and features. And uh, what we've asked Brett to do today uh, is to come on the show and uh, share some of uh, the wisdom that he's gained over the many uh, years. We're going to take a look at indexed universal life insurance, uh, what it is, how it works, and point out some of the differences in these uh, various uh, product uh, designs. Uh, Brett believes, uh, as I do, that if you're using one of these products to accumulate cash for retirement, there's some very important things that you need to be aware of, uh, some things that you need to be on the lookout for within these contracts. Uh, Brett has, uh, through his work, identified uh, several uh, design uh, features, or maybe a better way to say it would be uh, to use the word roadblocks, that uh, potentially can hurt the cash growth and income benefits uh, that uh, these indexed universal life insurance products are uh, designed uh, to achieve for the individual. So I want to uh, welcome uh, Brett uh, to our show today. Uh, and uh, we're going to just have a, a kind of a question and answer uh, time uh, with him here for uh, Retirement Talk with Mike Graber today. So, Brett, uh, welcome uh, to our show. And if you would take just a, a minute to uh, maybe introduce yourself a little more detail to our listeners. Yeah, hi, Mike. Glad to be here. Hmm. Well, I've been in the business 40 years now. Hard to believe. I started out as just a life insurance agent and that just evolved into also being a fully licensed stockbroker and about 15 years or so ago was when I started to get really involved in IUL or Index Universal Life and the product at that time was probably about five or six years old and then I became involved in 
an aspect of IUL where they were promoting people taking out second mortgages on their homes and investing that money into an IUL. Well, in theory, that could have worked, but for problems that came up with that concept, the companies stopped taking the money that people were taking out of their houses to put into the product. And about the same time, I had a little light bulb go off in my head that said, well, hey, Brett, why don't you start talking about IUL with your clients from the standpoint of putting the retirement savings each year into this product instead? And that just evolved into writing a couple of books about it. And then, as you mentioned before, the IUL Digest website, where basically what I do is I take apart the policies for each of the companies that have a product. And there's roughly about 30 companies currently that have a product. And there's a lot of moving parts in an IUL. And so, like I said, I just take them apart. And you mentioned a list of roadblocks, and I call them deal breakers. And that list is fairly well known in the industry out there now. So that's kind of a nutshell how I got here and what I continue to do. Okay. Um, how about uh, sharing with our, our listeners just a, a basic overview of uh, how an indexed universal life policy uh, is designed? Well, the reason why people have kind of gravitated towards IUL in the first place is because it is promoted as a way to you know, earn market returns without market risk. And the way that that is done is, let's say you have an ordinary UL policy. And today they'll probably pay you like 2 or 3% in interest internally in the policy. So what the IUL companies have done is said, well, we'll take that 2 or 3% and we'll buy options with that money instead. And if the market goes up, and by market with an IUL, we mean the various indexes that they would buy the options for. So if the value of the index goes up, we'll exercise the option, and you have a gain. If they don't go up, there's no gain, but you don't have a loss either because you're not actually in the market. But there needs to be a little asterisk there when it says that there's no loss for an IUL for the year. And that's because the companies are still going to take out their expenses. So as far as then, how do you make an IUL work for you? One of the most critical things is how the policy is designed. And there are, have been for decades now, two basic designs for an IUL or UL, and that's what we call increasing or level. And with level, the premium is just that. You start out, I mean, with the, with the amount of the insurance. So if you start out with $100,000 worth of insurance, it just stays $100,000 until we get to the corridor with the cash value, and then it'll start increasing. With the increasing part of the insurance in the, in the business, we call it option B, 
rather than starting out with $100,000 of insurance per se, the policy might be able to start with only $50,000 worth of insurance. But it's going to go up each year the amount of the cash value. So if the cash value growth in that first year is 5000 then the insurance amount on the policy the second year will be 55000 Now, along with that concept, what we call is max funding, which is basically what is the minimum amount of life insurance that you need for the amount of premium that you're going to be putting into the policy. So you want a max funded policy, and you want a policy that's also increasing because that way you have minimum insurance costs inside of the policy while it's starting to grow. The one thing that people need to remember, and it's the one thing that the consumer or client needs to remember, if you have a policy that starts out designed with the increasing insurance, is that the year that you stop paying the premiums, you have to remember to tell the company to switch it back to level. Otherwise, the amount of the insurance is going to keep increasing each year, and eventually the policy will just eat itself up. Now, there's another variation that's come along in the last couple of years called return of premium. And if you use that option, and there's only a couple of companies out there that offer it, then that avoids the necessity of having to remember to switch it back to level. It just stays on return of premium for the life of the policy. And depending upon your age when you take out the policy, it may or may not work better than having started out with the increasing option. So you just have to ask the agent that you're working with if he has that option available for the companies he's working with to just run both scenarios and take a look and see which one's going to work out best for you. All right. As, as our listeners can tell, there's quite a lot to uh, understanding these products. Uh, they can be complex and it's important. We, we feel to you know spend the time to, to understand these if you're going to be putting or redirecting funds that maybe uh, are going elsewhere into uh, your retirement uh, planning uh, to bring those into this type of a product. And the reason that uh, many people consider doing this and, and Looks like David McKnight and others have written about it is that the cash inside the life insurance contract grows tax deferred. And then by using uh, the mechanisms uh, in that policy, those funds can then be taken by uh, the, the contract holder back out uh, tax free. And that's a very simplified explanation of it. But that's the, the attractiveness of, of these products is you grow tax deferred using these uh, indexes um, and then uh, you take the funds out. Uh, tax-free on the other end, again, by using um, the uh, product uh, design. um, And uh, that obviously we need to state that's under current uh, tax law. But if we look uh, more deeply into how these products are designed and what I'd like to do here is to take the the next several minutes and uh, Brett, have you talk about some of these deal breakers or, or roadblocks that can prevent uh, these uh, cash growth uh, products from really um, maximizing uh, the full benefit for the client, um, uh, achieving um, you know what what that goal is, which is to to grow the the funds into the largest uh, sum that that we can. Uh, so uh, there are a number of different contracts out there. A lot of different carriers have their little um, design uh, features. Uh, so if you would, 
uh, maybe speak uh, to our listeners about that uh, point, um, point out some of the design features that can uh, prohibit the cash. And then on the uh, other end, whenever the income comes out, some things that they might need to be concerned about that can uh, impact it. And I'll, I'll say this, that you know, there's a, uh, an AG49 rule out that says that all the carriers have to illustrate their products in a similar fashion. But those illustrations really don't tell the, the true story. And that's why uh, we wanted to have Brett come on to, to speak about beyond the illustration. How does the contract really work? And uh, some of these product features or deal breakers or roadblocks that our uh, listeners uh, want to be aware of if they're considering purchasing one of these types of products, or maybe they've already purchased that and uh, may need to, to be aware of these. So, uh, Brett, if you would, maybe uh, give us uh, some, some explanation of what some of these uh, deal breakers are and uh, what our clients need to be uh, looking for in, in these product designs. Well, some of the factors out there that make the policy work, of course, is we're going to start off initially with a cap. Some of the policies will have no cap. And then there's multipliers and bonuses, either of which may or may not be guaranteed. Then the participation rates typically are 100%, but nowadays it can range up to over 200%. And then on the cost side of it, some of the companies have what's called an asset fee, and that can range up to 8.3%. And plus the other expenses for the policy for that year could make the total expenses 10%. And so that's going to come right off the top of the cash value at the start of every policy year. Now you mentioned the AG 49 AD rate and rules that are in play currently. And the basis of that is it's, done on a daily average for what the policy would have done over the past 35 years with the policy's current features with the cap and the multiplier, et cetera. The biggest mistake that agents make and consumers make is thinking that they can compare different IULs apples by apples by saying, okay, let's just run them all at the same rate. So let's just say that that's 6%. Well, the AG49A rate for one company may be five, and for another company it may be seven. And the difference in that illustration rate goes back to those factors that I just mentioned, you know, the cap, the multiplier, the participation rate. You're really shooting yourself in the foot if you're trying to compare companies by running the illustration using the same rate. It's just no way in the world can you compare policies on an apples-to-apples basis that way. You just have to use whatever the illustration rate is for that company and see how numbers turn out in the long run. As far as some of the major deal breakers out there, well, one of them is going to be the loans because Presumably, one of the reasons why you're putting your money into the policy in the first place is when you get to retirement, you're going to want to start taking it out. One of the things you have to make sure that the policy has is both a variable rate loan 
and a fixed rate loan in that you can switch from one to the other. And typically companies will let you make one change a year. Now there's out of that 30 companies, there's four companies that only have a fixed rate loan. And two of those companies are amongst the top five selling IUL companies there is out there. And one of those companies will only let you use a variable rate loan. So you just have to be aware of what is available in the IUL that's being presented to you to make sure that, you know, in this regard with the loans, that it's going to allow you to have both types and that you can switch. One of the other top-selling companies out there has a fixed-rate loan and a variable-rate loan, but you can only switch from one to the other if you pay off the loan entirely with outside money first. So if your loan now is $100,000 or $200,000, I hope you have that stashed away outside in something else and can flip it into your IUL policy short-term and pay off whatever loan it is that you want to switch because that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. And a lot of times, the agents that are talking to you and selling you this IUL, they do not realize that this is how the loan works for the company that they're showing you. So, and it's it's the loan mechanism that makes the cash tax-free to uh, the retiree there. Uh, that's one of the benefits and features of of the life insurance uh, rules w- within the context of the code. And I, I think uh, you might agree with me here, Brett, if I would say that uh, just because a product might be among the uh, top five sellers in the nation doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we should use uh, maybe that sales ranking to judge if it's really uh, a product that's designed uh, with uh, all these uh, better features or, or better options for the clients. And like you're saying here, just on uh, fixed or, or variable loans, just because the product maybe was the number one seller in the, the country the last uh, few years, that doesn't mean that uh, there aren't uh, these issues uh, that the consumer needs to be uh, aware of. And as you uh, have said, many uh, of the agents who sell these products aren't uh, uh, fully informed and, and, and aware of, of really how these uh, details work in the products. No, exactly. In fact, I have models, computer models that I've constructed for each and every IUL and each index inside of each one of them and project out how they would perform over the last 20 years, assuming today's cap and multiplier and participation rate. And in general, I find that the top selling IUL companies and products are among the actual worst performing IULs there is out there. And part of that is that those top companies also have probably the largest marketing organizations to promote you know, agents selling them. But, you know, again, it goes back to kind of what you just said. That doesn't mean that they're actually the best performing IULs there is out there. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, in, in looking at your information over the last couple of years, it, it's really been, um, you know, an eye-opener, the depth of information uh, that, that you've assembled on uh, these various products and uh, really getting down to uh, a real deep understanding of uh, how this feature uh, really can impact the end result uh, for uh, the client. And, you know, the loan feature 
is is one of the biggest ones that are there. Won't you uh, address just a little bit along with that loan, maybe uh, when the interest is charged to the uh, contract, if it's uh, in advance or maybe in arrears? Yeah, most of the time, I'd say probably 26 of the companies charge the interest rate in arrears. There's a couple of companies out there that charge it in advance. You just have to make out a an adjustment for what that advance rate would be if it was in arrears. Again, so you can an apples to apples comparison. But still on the cost theme, one of my major deal breakers is if a company has ever increased the cost of an already issued policy, then I will never do any kind of business with them, even if it did happen otherwise to be the top performing IUL in the business. And like I said, I've been in this business for 40 years. I've had twice, as it turned out, these were whole life companies, they increased the cost of an already issued policy. And inevitably what happens is that people end up losing the policy that they'd been saving in for 20 or 30 years and counting on to provide the income retirement, which was the reason to getting the policy in the first place. So like I said, it's just a, it's an absolute deal breaker. There's four companies that sell IULs who have done that with already issued UL policies in the last five years. And uh, I'm not allowed to name them for your show, but that's one of the first questions I would ask the agent that you're dealing with is, has this company ever increased the cost of an already issued policy? And if they say yes, then move on. What else do you have? Yeah, that's really, really important. You know, uh, you, you go into uh, the premium arrangement with the, with the carrier. Uh, you're expecting charges to be X. You know, the, uh, the original uh, projections show maybe this type of income on the other end. And then uh, along the way, uh, the company decides to, uh, you know, increase uh, those charges. And, and that all comes from the cash that's being accumulated in there. Um, and uh, you certainly don't want to be in the position as a consumer to have to pay additional premiums just to keep the thing floating. That's kind of a, a self-defeating. Uh, and it's not the, the place that, that I want any of our uh, clients to, to be looking at. And that's why we have done uh, the work to understand uh, the products um, and, and to look at resources like um, your, your IUL uh, digest website, uh, really want to make sure that, uh, if, if we're talking about these products with the client that uh, we're looking at those who, uh, have, uh, the best designs to accomplish the goals, uh, that are out there. Well, Mike, it, it's been a great interview so far, but we do have to break here. We're out of time for today's show and listeners, we're going to run part two of this interview on insurance with our special guest, Brett Anderson. Part two of the interview will be next week. Thank you so much. That does it for today's episode of Graber Financial Talk with our host, Mike Graber. And listeners, you can contact Mike at Compass Retirement Advisors. That number is 812-787-0809. Again, the number is 812-787-0809. And thank you so much for tuning in. That does it for today's episode of 
Graber Financial Talk with our host, Mike Graber, and special guest, Brett Anderson. Part two of Brett's interview will be next week. Thank you for listening to Retirement Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, contact Mike Graber at Compass Retirement Advisors. Call 812-787-0809 or visit them online at Compass Retirement Advisors, LLC. Com. Investment advisory services provided by ChangePath LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Compass Retirement Advisors LLC, the Insurance Shop Inc., and ChangePath LLC are unaffiliated entities. Mike Graber and Compass Retirement Advisors are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Provided content is for overview and informational purposes only and is not intended and should not be relied upon as individual tax, legal, fiduciary, or investment advice. Each individual situation will vary and opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to representation. The information contained here is based on our understanding of current tax law. The tax and legislative information may be subject to change and different interpretation. We recommend that you seek professional legal advice for applicability to your personal situation.